Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It is always humbling, humbling to be asked to speak and stand behind this desk. It's humbling every time anybody speak anywhere, but it's really humbling behind this desk because this is the, from this pulpit, message was preached when I turn my life back over to God. So this is humbling every time I step behind this desk. T- today, if, if you'll turn with me, I'm going to not keep you very long, but uh, I got a word, I think, from God that I needed, wanted to share today. If you want to turn with me to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, I'm going to read two short scriptures. Actually, if you want to turn, if, or you can just follow on the screen. And Luke 9 and 2 is the second one I'm going to read. But I'm going to read two scriptures and then... For my text this morning. Everybody has the scripture say amen. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye unto all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke 9 and 2 is just two short scriptures. And Luke 9 and 2 says, And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. At this time, if you'll lay your Bibles down and let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for this, another one more opportunity for us to hear your word, Lord. Lord Jesus, touch me today, Lord Jesus, that I can be a vessel that's used by you, that you can minister through me, Lord. Not that take the flesh, Lord Jesus, and don't let it come from the flesh, but Lord Jesus, let the Spirit's Holy Ghost pour through me, Lord Jesus, and speak this message to this wonderful congregation. Lord Jesus, touch us and anoint us in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I'm going to borrow Brother Chris preached Wednesday night. He, 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 he shared something that, and I'm going to just kind of borrow from it. He's not here today. so. But he, he, he talked about during district conference when Brother Mike Williams preached the message, it's time. And he also he referred to the message that Brother David Bernard preached at general conference, talk about preach. And, it's, it's, and, I, and I, today I'm going to talk to you about the call of God. But, but the thing is, is it's time to preach this word. The two scriptures I read to this morning were referred, was, was accounts were to his disciples. But today I'm here to believe, I feel today, that charge wasn't just to his disciples. That charge is to each one of us. When we say preach, a lot of times we, we think of standing behind this desk or standing behind a desk with a microphone or pulpit with a microphone. But we're all called to preach. We're called to preach with our lives every day. The call is not limited to just a few. It is to all under the sound of my voice. From the youngest to the oldest. From the new convert to the oldest saint in here. We're all called to preach his word. Luke chapter 9 verse 59 says, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. 
And verse 60 says, Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Some may say Jesus was being uncompassionate. And he'd been uncompassionate about burying the dead, about the circumstances. But he was referring to an extreme circumstance because the thing is, when we face in life, as Brother Jerry talked about today, we live in the real world. We live in life. When you walk out these doors, we're going to face life. We're going to face the world, the circumstances of life. The message that he was trying to get across is that circumstances, that the circumstances will allow you to get in your way of what God is wanting you to do. It constantly gets in the way of from what you doing what God wants you to do in his, through his work. So in our lives, sometimes the circumstances of life draws us down. And I believe this scripture was referring to sometimes these, these are serious things. Some of these things we do have to take care of. But sometimes we can allow circumstances to, to draw us completely away from what God has for us in our life. Like I say, as I said, these circumstances may be real circumstances. They may be things of life that are drawing us down. There may be things that we that that are real circumstances. Sometimes we have to lay these things down. We have to, to real, take account in what is more important. The things of this world that's going to burn up and pass away anyway or the things, the work of God that's for, for now on. Verse 61 says, And another said unto the Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home and at my house. And Jesus said unto him in verse 62, he says, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Here Jesus is this but attitude. The attitude of I'll do this, but let me go do this. That's what gets us, many of us get caught up into that in our life. I'll, I'll do this for you, God, but let me, let me go do this first. Or let me, let, me, let me take care of these little things in my life before. God may be calling us to a ministry. But we, we try to say, well, but God, I can't do this. I can talk from this from, from my own life. God, in the last few years at this church, and that's not a secret, this church has called me to a different level in ministry. And when God has called me to that, when I first started feeling them in my life, I use that. God, I feel that. I know you're, that's you, but I'm not a preacher. I'm not a, I don't know how to play an instrument. I don't know how to sing. I can't sing. God, how can I do this? I was coming up with all the buts why I couldn't do this. And that's what, in the, in the world we live in, in this flesh, we find that but attitude. I would do it, God, but... And so that's so many times, and that's where we find ourselves. And when I, every time I read this scripture, this scripture was referred to as, I think, you know, Jesus used farming, you know, examples because that was from a farming community. So us living in a farming community, growing up in a farming community, I, um, <coughs> I've, every time I read this scripture, I remember times of my past in, the, in farming. I remember one time when I was a young child, my father farmed, we farmed, you know, lived on a farm, and my father farmed, and he was plowing, I can't remember if it was corn or whatever it was. And as a child, I wanted, to, I wanted to drive the tractor, I wanted to plow. I got on the tractor, headed down the row, and he showed me how to do everything, and I 
got on the tractor and I started plowing. But just before I knew it, going down the road, you know, as a kid, I was concentrating for the first little while on exactly what I was doing. But after a while, you know, my mind was wandering off over there, what's going on over there. And I got, my eyes got to looking over there. And when, what happened is when my eyes come off of what I was doing, I started plowing up the crop. And so the, as, as plowing requires an eye intended on the pharaoh to be made, it is, it is marred the instant one turns about. So when we come short of salvation, who, one, one comes short of salvation who persecutes the work of God without a distract without a, with a distraction attention and a divided heart when you're when you're working for God you got to keep your eyes on the plow you got to keep your eyes on what's going on you cannot do God's work work I'm looking off in the blue yonder where so many times in the world we live in it's getting faster and faster the world we live in everybody's trying to multitask that's a new word that some of the older ones probably didn't even know generations that started this church didn't even know what a multitasking was but but now we try to do two or three things at one time we'll be trying to talk on the telephone run a tractor do all kind of things all at one same time but when you're working for God we got to be keep the main there's a book that brother T.F. Tennedy wrote you got to keep the main thing the main thing and so when we don't we get our eyes off of what we're, God is wanting us to do that's just a distraction of the devil when he gets us looking over it as something else, and this may be circumstances of life or whatever, it may be sickness, it may be things that's really vulnerable, things that really need some attention. But when he gets our minds on that, he can draw us away from what he wants us to do. A divided heart, you have to have your heart completely connected to where he, he wants his work. Though the reference seems chiefly, this reference is chiefly to ministers, but it is an application, it's to everybody. It's not just just to ministers. We're all, as I said earlier, we're all called to preach this word. The expression looking back in this scripture has a reference to the story of Lot's wife. It was not an actual turn, return to the world, but it was the reluctance to break, break with it. It was, it was a, the, the thing that she lusted for. And when we turn away from what God's work is, it's the same as Lot's wife. When she turned, looked back at Sodom, and she turned to a pillar of salt. It wasn't that she just turned back and looked. It was the content of her heart. That's where she longed to be. And so she was turned into a pillar of salt. As in high school, I played football, and I played sports, other teams. And this, and I refer to this as there's three, three different types of players on a team. The first player that is on a team is just on the team to be able to wear the uniform and say they're on the field. There's athletes I can remember in high school playing with athletes. They were just glad to be on the field. They were glad to have a uniform. They were, they, you saw them in the games. They were standing down there when everybody was on the south end of the field. The game was going on on the south end of the field. They were on the north end of the field, sideline. Down there in communication probably talking about the weather or something else. But they was not connected into the game. They was just happy to be on the team. They were just happy to have a uniform. Their helmet probably was over there beside the by the fence. Didn't even know where their helmet was if they was to be called to be put in the game. But there's Christians that are 
that are think that they're the, they're the same way. There's Christians that are that thinks all they have to do is required by God. And Brother Jerry kind of touched on this this morning. It's just to show up and be on the team. Just to show up to church. I think that's, that's all that's required. Get the Holy Ghost and sit on the chain. And, that, and that's all important. It's being faithful to church is important. But that sometimes that's all people want to do. They're just like that football player. They're, they're, they don't even have their helmet. They don't even have their, their equipment, to, even if they were just called to go into the game. So they're so far, they're just, just happy to be on the team, just to be called a football player or just to be called a Christian. That's where, that's where a lot of Christians in this world we live. They come to church to be for a social club. They come to church just to say they go to church, just to ease their conscience. I think it's just to say where they could go to church. But God requires more than that from us. The second player that is on a team, they apply themselves just enough maybe to get a position or maybe a title. They may want to get on the team just to, you know, play just and practice enough, just hard enough at practice to, to be, be a starter. But they don't apply themselves in no other way. They're just there for the practice. They're just there, just there when the game time comes. But they're not committed to the game. They're just there. Like I say, they're a little bit more committed than the first one. They're just there. They got them a position. They got them a title, and that's all they wanted. That's all they're there for. They're, but there are higher levels of commitment that comes in spiritual. When we have a position, when we have a title, we should be more committed. We should be more dedicated to God's work. But, but that's how some people, and I'm not casting stones at no person, nobody, no group of people, nobody from the individual from this church. But, but, but there's, in the church world we live today, there's people that's just all they after is a title. They're not dedicated. They're not dedicated enough. They don't have a prayer life enough. They don't, they don't, the only time that they think about God is when the church has a special prayer or the church has a special fast. They just, the only time they fast is when the church goes through a fast or the church has special prayer meeting or they have prayer at church. That's the only time that they find themselves on their knees. But they're just here for the title. They're just here for the, for the, for the, what they can be solved. There is a higher level of commitment that God is requiring. The third player is that is a player that is dedicated, that is 100% committed to everything that the coaches ask. They're there for practice from the beginning to the end. They're giving 100%. I saw this thing on sports science this week. When after one night I saw, when I saw some sports science, and they were saying that they have these, these devices that coaches can put on the players. And as they practice in practice, they can tell exactly how much effort they're putting out in practice. They can test how they can take for injured players. They can check their players. They can keep an eye on them from, from the locker room through a computer device that's on the player to see that players that has injured. They was talking about a player that had a pulled hamstring. And they, they was checking him. They said they could let him exert so much energy to a certain point. And then they would pull him even out of practice because they had that device on him. So, they, so, play, so nowadays, the players, the, some of these players is, is, is you know, player, the, the third type of player I'm talking about is committed 100%. They go wide open all day in practice. After practice, they do extra running. 
They do extra things to drive them closer. They study the films after practice for the next game. They hit the weight room even when the coach don't require it. And I said all this about sports, and I, and, and I, I grew up as, uh, as an athlete, but you may not can tell it now, but I grew up as an athlete. <laughs> but as a, when we hit the weight room and things, when the players hit the weight room, I talk about this here, but, but as Christians, you know, you have to, we, we, God's calling us to be dedicated. God's calling us not to just pray when the pastor says pray. We're not to pray when, when fast when the pastor calls a church fast or we have a disorganized fast. God's calling us to a point that we don't have to be encouraged to fast. We don't need to be encouraged to pray. We don't need to be encouraged to get in this word. This is, God has dealt with me this, and I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to anybody else or probably more. We have to get in the Word not just to get a message. We've got to get in the Word not just to, to teach a Sunday school class. We've got to get in the Word to save our soul. We've got to get in the Word to, to be an example. 1 Peter 5 and 2 says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, by willingly, not by filthy lucre, but by the ready, but by a ready of a mind. Break this scripture down. Feed means tend, feed tend as a shepherd. By discipling, by doctoring. This is not just talking about the, you know we refer to the shepherd as the pastor. But we need to take up some of us saints. We need to take up that that same mindset. We got to feed the sheep. We got to feed the people. The, the scripture talks about, and I'm going to talk. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But the scripture is going to talk about. Talks about feeding the ones that's among us. We feed as a ship. We, we need to lead, as Brother Jerry talked about this morning. We need to lead. We lead by an example. As we look at, you, know, we, we, you may say, "You're not a lead. I'm not a leader. I don't have a position. I don't have a title." But you don't have to have a position or a title to lead. There's always, it don't matter what age you are. There's somebody that's looking up to you. There's somebody that you're leading. Are you leading them to church? Or are you leading them away from church? The, this, this, this word also talks about feed. We need to feed the ones that's looking towards us. We need to feed them good things. As Brother Jerry talked about around the water cooler. Are we letting the world influence us? Or are we feeding them God's word? By our example of how we live our day. You don't have to tote a Bible in your hand to feed somebody spiritually. You can feed them by the way you live your life every day. He invites the elders to share with him in this same duty, not just for the pastors, which is among you, the scripture, part of the scripture says, which is among you, while having a concern for all the church, your special duty is to feed that portion of it which is among you. Every one of us here today, we have a, a nucleus of people that we're in the influence of. Are they in our influence? There's people in this room that every one of us has a different group of people. And that group of people that's people that you, like some kids goes to school with or people we work with on a job, people that we see in a restaurant, a waitress, people that we're influences are, influence is in our life, people that we rub shoulders with every day. That's the people that God's calling you to reach. That's the people that God's calling you to share this gospel with. It's the people that you, re, you touch every day. 
We think sometimes in our mindset, we think we're preaching. All the preaching we do is comes from this pulpit. But this church has to preach every day. Every saint in this church preaches a message. Every day we walk. Every day when we're on a job. Every day when we walk in the grocery store, we're preaching. What message are you preaching today? In the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said this in Genesis 18, verse 32, when he was here kind of deliberating with God about saving the city. He says in 18 and verse 32, says, And he said, O Lord, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will destroy not, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Here Abraham is kind of deliberating between with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. He starts out with 50. He goes down to 45. He goes down to 40. He goes all the way down. He gets down to 10. And a commentary I, look, I read, I was reading about this scripture this, this week. says, why did Abraham stop at 10? Why didn't he keep going lower? The Bible, and the commentary I read, people, as Brother Jerry said, probably smarter than I am, people that had studied this word, said that, um, that it was, he probably, it was one of two things. He thought that they, was, they could at least find 10 people in the, this huge city or that God touched his heart and told him not to go no further. But when we re- look at this big, huge city and God says, I will spare it if we can find 10 people in this city. <clears throat> but, the, but there was only... There was not ten. There was only one righteous person that was saved. The, the, they, they could find. There was only one, but this this one would, this one might have injustice have been perished in the general overthrow. But it was a difference in something that was sometimes made, and on this occasion, the grace of God was manifest in a signal, single manner, for the sake of Abraham. Only because Abraham's relationship with God. His only reason, Lot was even saved. Lot and his daughters, two, there was actually three, but there was, Lot was the only soul, the only one that was there. And it wasn't because of Lot. It was because of Abraham. You know, we may be the only person on our job. We may be only, the only person that's keeping the judgment of God from, from, our, from the city. We may, this church may be what's holding this city together. At General Conference, we all was in a, in a class, and this, was, this scripture was brought before. And they said, a church of ten may be what God is keeping. A, a small church of just ten may be what's keeping God's judgment off of the city. And so that, that give, gives us encouragement. You know, we, we got to, it gives us a motivation we need to reach souls. Because God says, God said that you know, if he, he was spared, that he would have spared the city for only 10. Are we doing enough on our job to be standing in the gap for the people that's in our influence? That's a question I ask today. What a blessing to be connected with a saint of God. In my life, I had people in my life, a lot of people sitting in front of me that prayed for me when I didn't have enough sense to pray for myself. 
I was like Lot. I, was, I, I benefited from somebody else's prayer, from somebody else's relationship in my life when I didn't have enough sense to pray for myself and have enough sense to get my life where I needed to be. I benefited from other people just like Lot. So I can, I can feel what Lot, I can, I can put my place in Lot's life because here I am benefiting from what other people did in my life. You might be the one that is holding the judgment of God off of your city. You might be the one that's, that's, that's holding the, this is the only connection some people has to church. You may be the only one. This, you may be the, be the one sent to share the gospel because the Bible says every, every person, every creature will hear this gospel. God may be calling you be the only person that somebody ever hears the message from. Are you doing your job? You may ask, who has God called me to reach? He has called you to reach the ones that you rub shoulders with every day. As the musicians come, today as, as, as we're called to reach our soul, reach, our, reach our, our people in our lives, we're called to reach the ones that we rub shoulders with every day. It may be a waitress in a restaurant. It may be a, a, somebody sitting in a drive through window. Or it may be somebody that you work day by day with for years. But whatever it may be, we're called to reach them. And our life today is, you know, is, is in the story of if Noah, in, in the story of Noah, here he was preached this gospel for all these years, all them years. And there was only eight souls in the whole world that he reached. But God reached them eight souls because Noah was faithful. And that's how in our life today, as we, as we stand, I want you, everyone to understand my voice, I want you to take this to heart today. The world that we live in today, you're called to reach the souls. And as we reach for these souls today, I ask you to find somewhere today to pray that God will, God will put that person in his mind, that the people that he's called you to reach, to put them a burden in your heart. That when you lay down at night, you cannot rest because the people that he's called me to reach, I don't want to let them be lost. Because as Brother Jerry said this morning, hell is real. And, and every, every human is going to spend an eternity there. An eternity somewhere. They're going to spend it in hell or they're going to spend it in heaven. And we're called to reach people in our lives. Today, I'm going to leave you with that question. Am I doing enough to reach God, the one God wants me to reach? As, as they pray, let us, let, us find, let us gather around the front today and let's end with prayer. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.